Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Favorite ones of the year because it's a really fun one to invite your friends to. And this is called At the Movies. So we're going to we're going to do church at the movies. Now, how many guys like to watch movies? Anybody? Any other movie nerds? Yeah. Why do we like movies? Because they tell a story. And how did Jesus teach? He used stories, right? He used parables. It said that Jesus hardly ever taught without using a parable. So what we're going to do these next couple weeks is we're going to look at popular movies. We try to find ones that have come out within last year. And look at what they can teach us about what God says about life. So we take these. Now, those of you watching online, I apologize. We have a license to show clips of movies here. We pay for one, but we can't stream the clips because we don't have that license. We can't get that license. Uh, so you'll hear it, but you won't be able to see it. So I apologize for that. I know it's not as fun, um, but we have to be legal and follow the law, right? And so, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't want to go to jail, and I don't want you guys. So uh, Paul did it. I don't want to. Uh, but in, after, each, after each message, we're going to have a snack, a fun thing in the foyer for you today. We have movie candy out there, so uh, Amy came and set that up last night, so that'll be out in the foyer for you. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to have movie popcorn for you, actually, from the theater. Uh, if you see Amy Peplich, tell her thank you. She always gives us a great deal on this. Yeah, she does a great job. The candy actually came from another Amy, Amy Adams at the Y. They overbought, so they sold us their surplus, so... If you don't find what you want, it probably left at the Y movie night, but that's okay. There's something for everybody out there. So, uh, so anyway, today we're going to take a look at a movie we actually watched last Sunday here at the church called Family Camp. Uh, this is a really fun movie by the Skit Guys. If you haven't seen it, you really should. Uh, it's a great one. So I'm going to show you just kind of the trailer so you can kind of see where we're going today. So. I'm sorry, I was late. Again. What do I gotta do to make it up to you? How about we go to that camp? Church camp? Hey, family! Welcome to camp. What, the Ackermans? Don't seem to have an Ackerman here on the list. You made the final payment online, right? Hmm? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You guys! This is glamping! What? No Wi-Fi. I can't wait until you realize there's no air conditioning. What? Now, where's my yummy bride? Oh, honey. Hi, hello, your family. <laughs> oh, I'm Grace. Stop, not another word. Oh. 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 Here's my card. Intergalactic chiropractic. <laughs> oh. oh. Buckle up, everybody. The Camp Katakwa Trophy, you should see this baby on my mantle at home. The family that takes home the most points at the end of the week takes the cup from my cold, dead hands. If you think we're going to be friends with that guy, you need your head examined. We're not monsters, okay? Even though we do make sugar-free, organic, vegan, non-dairy marshmallows. Today, we are going to do the buddy system. Let's go, bucko. Should have known better than to trust you. You have no idea where we are. Come on, this is our story to tell our wives how we braved the wilderness and fought our way back home. Get that thing away from me! My skin is on fire! Oh, sounds like my kind of party. 
we have a problem. Our husbands are out there on their own, and we don't even know where they are. I'm stuck here with Dr. Phil's demented twin brother when I should be back at the camp singing Kumbaya with my family. It's okay, mi amigo. When God closes a door, he opens a Chick-fil-A. Goes like this. <laughs> My family will just magically become the family that I've always wanted them to be. Things get a little more complicated when you get a peek behind the curtain. That was fun. That was something. You're welcome. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about what we can learn today from family camp. So, how many of you know family is complicated? Yeah? How many of you know marriage is complicated? But it's good. You're supposed to say, yeah, yeah, and you can, I'm giving you points. All right, Colossians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 3, if you have the Version Bible app, the notes are in there, if you can hit the events tab. Today we're going to talk a little bit about family and what we can learn from family and from this movie, Family Camp. So in Colossians chapter 3, Paul gives us some great advice about living with our church family and also living with our physical family. Now, some of you are married and you have kids at home. Some of you are married and you don't have kids at home. Some of you are single. Some of you are single again. But how many of you know family isn't just blood family, but it's church family? It's friends who are family, right? It's sometimes this family that you didn't ask for, but you get, right? Um, so they just come into your life. So all of it is family. And so we're going to talk about today how to deal with family. So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 13, Paul says this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That's not always easy, is it? It's really easy to carry an offense. And here's the funny thing, guys. When you're married, it's easy to carry your spouse's offense. If somebody offends your spouse or your kids. How many of you have ever had somebody say something about your kids and you just kind of bristle up, right? So he says, we have to forgive anyone who offends us. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. So Paul says here, if we're going to live together with others in family, if we're going to live with others in a church family and community, we have to learn how to, what? Forgive and love. And if you're married, you have to learn to forgive and love. If you're raising kids, you have to learn to forgive and love. If you have grandkids, you have to learn to forgive and love. If you want to be married someday, you better learn this now. Because you're going to be saying, I'm sorry, a lot once you're married. And you're going to be forgiving a lot once you're married, right? So we have to work on these. So you may say, you know, this message isn't for me because I'm single. Well, learn. <laughs> learn it now, right? If you're a widow or a widower or you have grandkids, learn this if you haven't already because you're going to be sharing this with others. Because how many of you know when you're in a church family, when you're in community, somebody's always watching you to learn? I can tell you when I was in high school, I watched my pastor and how he lived with his family. I watched my youth pastor and how they lived with their family because I wanted to learn. I was like, these guys are doing it right. I want to learn from this. I watched some of my friends' parents. Some I learned from, some I learned what not to do from, right? But we all learn. So 
help each other learn. So the first thing we see here is that healthy families require time and commitment. Healthy families require time and commitment. So I'm going to show you a little clip from the movie here that kind of talks about this. It's the greatest place on earth. So they've literally never been to Disney? I'm sorry, I was late. Again. Okay. What do I got to do to make it up to you? How about we go to that camp? <laughs> Church camp? How about we go someplace that has air conditioning? Just look at those cabins. Ice cold air conditioning. Can I get an amen? Amen. Still, Henry would hate it and Hannah's too old. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. Our daughter's 19, and she is more pumped for camp this year than ever, right, sweetie? Whoop, whoop! Whoop, whoop, sugar bear! Okay, well, it's just the weird families who go to camp. I know, you, you might think we're a little weird. Come on, shh! But if you can honestly say there's nothing more important than investing in your family, then sure, that might look a little weird to the world. So camp sign-up starts today. Let's get out there and have some fun this summer. Okay, families? Hate it when the pastor does that. So he says that investing in our families is one of the greatest things we can do. So family, having a healthy family, if we want to have healthy families, it takes time and it takes commitment. If we want to have a healthy marriage, it takes time and what? Commitment. We have to put in the time and the effort required because marriage is work. Raising healthy kids is work, right? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes involvement. And you know, guys, if, you're, if we're married and we want to have healthy families, one of the best things we can do for our kids is invest in our marriage. One of the greatest things you can do for your kids is put time and effort into your marriage. You know, and often we say, well, I want, I want my kids to be healthy. Yeah, we do. And we have to show them how to have a great family. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, it talks about what a marriage is supposed to look like. It says, this explains why man, this is when God made Adam and Eve, when a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into what? One. United into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, don't do that in public. No, our pastor said, no, he did not. All right? But it says here a couple of things that we see about marriage. We have to separate. It says a man leaves his father and mother. We have to commit to our spouse for the long haul. Yes? Yes. We have to commit to them. And it's supposed to be permanent. It says he's joined to his wife and the two become one. Now, this doesn't happen immediately, does it? When you get married and the preacher says, okay, you're now no longer two but one, that's just the beginning of the process. Becoming one takes a lifetime. I know it's funny, like if you uh, look at who you were when you first got married, if you've been married a while, and you look at yourselves now, you're more like your spouse than you were when you first got married, because you rub off on each other. I know when Amy and I first got married, I was late to everything, everything. Now I hate being late, because she's rubbed off on me, right? When we first got married, she was a workaholic. She's learned a little bit to slow down, a little bit. She can watch movies now sometimes with me. We rub off on each other. So it's permanent. It's unified. It says you're united into one. 
And then it was intimate. It said they felt no shame. Intimacy in marriage is something that we build. Now, intimacy is not just having sex with one another. Intimacy is knowing someone and being known to them. How many of you know it takes a long time to open yourself up to someone to really let them know you? It takes time. Because when you're first, mar- or first engaged and you're first dating one another, you're always putting on your best face. That's why you see people that start dating and say, oh, I love everything about them. What do you say? Give it time. <laughs> you're going to find things that irritate you, right? I know people come and say, we just never fight. I say, give it time. You will. You will fight unbelievably sometimes. It takes time. It's becoming known to one another. And it takes a lifetime to build that. It takes a lifetime. And then, guys, part of building a healthy family, putting in the time and effort, is helping our kids learn to be ready to leave the home. There's a guy I really like listening to. He's a pastor. He's also a comedian. And he always tells his kids, you're not always going to live in my house, so prepare now. (laughs) He says, prepare accordingly. And his kids are like, oh, I'm staying with you forever. He's like, no, you ain't. And they said, ain't. It's not a word, but he said it. He said, my, well, I, your mom and I, we got plans when you leave. You're, you're out <laughs> like one of these days, so be ready. And that's part of it. We're trying to prepare them to leave the home. We're trying to prepare them to be what? Healthy, functioning Christian adults. And that takes time. It takes effort. We have to put in that time and effort that's required. And we also have to fulfill our roles. We have to fulfill our roles. How many of you know men and women have different roles in marriage? They're different, but they are equal. They're separate, but they're equal. Men and women have different roles to fill in the home because God made us different. Men and women are simply different. If you don't believe it, watch little kids when they play. Right? You put a little boy in a room and you put a little girl in a room with the same toys, they're going to play with those toys totally different because of DNA, the way God made us. You know, it's funny. They, they did a study on this. They actually put a boy and a girl in a room and they had some cars and trucks and dolls. And what did the boys do? They get the cars like, you know, blowing them up. They're throwing the dolls across the room. And the little girl was like, oh, let's get in the car. Let's drive to the store, you know, and they're driving around. They're just different. Nobody has to tell them to do that. And it's the same way in marriage. God made us different. Now, it's not always. Sometimes the guy works and the, the mom takes care of the house. Sometimes the mom works, the guy takes care of the house. Sometimes they share those things. But we have different roles. Listen to what Paul says. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33, this is a long passage. It'll be on the screen so you can follow along. He says, further, here's this word, submit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I can stop the message right here and just sit on this. Paul says, if we're going to be married and we're going to live with one another, we have to what? Submit. Say that word with me. Submit to one another. He doesn't say, wives, submit to your husbands. He doesn't say, husbands, submit to your wives. He says, submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. He says, because we love Jesus, we're not going to lord over our spouse. Because we love Jesus, I'm going to treat my spouse with love and respect. Because I'm a Christian. So he says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands. Don't throw anything at me. So submit to your husbands as to the, what? Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. For he's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. 
For husbands, this means loves your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we're members of his body. For the scriptures say, again, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it illustrates the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So Paul says here we have different roles, but we must submit to one another. What does that mean? It means I put my wife's needs above my own. And it means she puts my needs above her own. And what happens when you both do that? Everyone's needs are met, and you love and respect one another. But if you're married and you're just looking out for yourself and your spouse is looking out for themselves, what happens? You become roommates, and that's it. Yeah, the marriage falls apart. If you've ever had a roommate, you're not serving one another. You're just living together. You're sharing a space, right? I had a roommate that used to walk in his sleep. I didn't sleep very good that whole semester. I was afraid he was going to kill me in his sleep. Honestly, I think he tried once. But we weren't serving one another. We were just being nice to each other. But when we're married, we submit to our spouse, and we love them. We put their needs above his own. So what does this mean? The role of husbands is to submit to and love his wife, to love her sacrificially. That means putting her needs above his own. And when a man sacrifices and loves his wife, it makes it easier for her to sacrifice and love him, right? Sacrifice for and love him. The role of wives is to submit to and love her husband. And guys, listen, the word obey is never, ever, ever used in the Bible of a wife or her husband. The Bible never says women obey your husbands. Some guys will try to tell you it's in there, but it's not. He says love and respect. And the Christ-like love of her husband makes it easier for her. So he says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. It makes an incredible circle. So it takes time. It takes effort. We have to do our roles. And then lastly, we have to stay engaged in the process. It's so easy to check out of the process at some point when it gets hard, isn't it? And we all know people who come home from work and they just disappear. We know people who come home, they don't engage with their kids, they don't engage with their spouse, they just do their own thing. But if we want to have a healthy family, we have to stay engaged in the process. We have to be there. Guys, your kids don't need you to be their friend, they need you to be their parent. It's being engaged, and it's hard. It's hard, it's process, it's work. But in the end, it's totally worth it, isn't it? It's totally worth it. So healthy families, they take time and effort time and commitment and effort. And then they require leadership and direction. Healthy families have to have leadership and direction. It means as parents, as husbands and wives, we have to lead our families. I love this scene from the movie where the pastor talks to the guy. Hey, Tommy, you, you know what a compass does? It tells you where to go? Not exactly. Turns out it only has one basic function. A compass points you to true north. And once you got true north, you can never get lost. Simply being honest, I'm your pastor. 
but it's not my job or the church's job to lead your family. It's yours. See, life can pull you in many different directions if you let it. But real talk, it's pretty easy to get lost if you don't have a guide. Have fun out here. How many of you ever look at your calendar and get a little overwhelmed? Yeah, there's so many things pulling at us, aren't they? If you're married and you're working, there's a billion things pulling at you. And on top of that, you have things that you want to do, right? You have stuff. There's always something to do in the house or the apartment. There's always something that needs done. Then when you start adding kids to the mix and they get involved in school, your calendar explodes. We've got, like, I think three different things on our fridge trying to keep track of where everybody's at all the time. It's insane. There are so many things, but we have to, as parents, give guidance and leadership. Look at what the Lord said to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6. A couple different verses here. He says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In the future, your kids will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? And the Lord our God commanded us to obey these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he's done to this day. So guys, we have to continually point our families to Christ. We have to continually point our kids towards Jesus because everything else in the world is going to try to pull them a different direction. Everything. If we aren't diligent, everything in the world is going to pull them a different way. And some of those things are good, right? If you have a kid that plays sports, sports are great. I'm a huge fan. They teach you teamwork and cooperation and discipline. And they keep you engaged in school and all those things. But we have to keep pointing our kids towards Jesus. Because it's not normal. Being a Christian teen is not normal, right? You're different. I know I hear stories. I coach. I know what these kids talk about on the bus. They don't think we hear them, but we do. We can hear everything. But that's why we spread out around the bus. But they don't know that. But we hear it and we see it. And we're always trying to be a positive influence because it's just not normal. We have to keep pointing them. That's what I love. He says, you have to have a true north. This is our true north, right? That's why when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were making a new nation, the Lord said, keep this front and center in your family. Keep your kids pointed towards Jesus. Keep talking to them about it. And guys, it's, it's so easy today to do devotions with your kids. We've got that version Bible app. There's actually a version for kids app. If you have little kids, you can do devotions together. They got little videos the Right Now Media that we give you a subscription to has tons of things on there. And so it's important to keep pointing our families towards Christ. If you don't have kids, you have to lead your family. If you're single, you have to lead yourself. Because there's a billion things in this world trying to pull us away. We have to continually point ourselves to Christ. And we have to limit distractions. We have to limit distractions. And guys, I know sometimes this means we have to make choices, hard choices. 
Sometimes you have to tell your kids, I'm sorry, you can't play a game on this time because we have something else. Sometimes you have to tell your kids, you can't go to that event because we have church. And they say, oh, sometimes, right? You're used to hearing that. Oh. But you say, why do we do this? And you explain, this is why we do this. Now, am I saying you can never miss a Sunday to do a game? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying you have to keep pointing them the right direction. You have to keep pointing towards Christ because everything in the world is going to pull them away. And that's why, you know, one of the themes of the movie, the dad loved his hobbies and he loved work. But he said, I have to be more engaged in my family because I see them being pulled in different directions. And we have to love selflessly. That's what Paul talked about in Colossians. Forgiving, loving, overlooking faults. We have to love selflessly. There was a guy who was always trying to to fix things in the house, you know, to save money and to show his family that he cared, but he just wasn't quite good at it. And so he had a lawnmower torn apart in the garage he was trying to fix. And his wife came and she saw him working on the vacuum and he was kind of taking parts off and he says, I can't get this thing to cooperate. She said, why don't you drag it out in the garage and show it what you did to the lawnmower. Maybe we'll cooperate then. (laughs) So, you know, we don't always have the skills to do the things we want, but we give up and we sacrifice for our families, right? So, and it's so easy especially in the world we live in today where there's a million things going on and they're moving 100 miles an hour to let our family fall to the back burner, to let our faith fall to the back burner. But we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent in pointing our, ourselves towards Christ, leading ourselves towards Christ, leading our spouse, loving our spouse, loving our kids, leading our kids, leading our families. And then lastly, healthy families require sincere examples We have to be an example for our spouse, for our kids, for our grandkids. We have to be that good example. Now, are any of us ever going to make every right decision? Absolutely not. We're all going to blow it. Sometimes we have to apologize to our kids. I I blew this. I did not do this well. I'm sorry I lost my temper. I'm sorry that I did this wrong. But we have to be a good example. We have to keep doing our very best to be a good example and to show our kids that Jesus is the priority in our lives. So once more here, we have a little clip here for you. It's because your parents value you more than they do a week on a cruise ship, more than anything. Mm. Families, we are gonna have a ton of fun this week. Let's listen for what God may want to say to us. He wants to lead. Will you follow him? I love that question. He wants to lead, but will we follow? So as parents, as grandparents, as husbands and wives, or as singles preparing to be married someday, will we follow Will we follow him? Will we put him first? So we, first, we have to follow Christ sincerely. And guys, I was a, Amy and I were youth pastors for eight years. We spent a lot of time with teenagers, and we spent a lot of time with parents. And I can tell you, one of the things that frustrates students more than anything is a parent telling them to do something that they're not doing themselves. As parents, if we say, I want you to make good choices, I want you 
to follow Jesus, but they're not doing it, kids get frustrated. They say, why are you telling me to do something you're not? And we'd have kids come in and talk to us. they say, oh, Pastor X, I'm just so frustrated with my parents because you know, they're telling me I need to, to be a good example to my friends, but they don't do that at work. Or I see them acting this way, but they tell me to act a different way. And it frustrated them. And we would try to explain, look, they're doing their best. I always give them the benefit of the doubt. They're doing their best. Give them some slack. Right? None of us are going to be perfect. But if we're really following Jesus and we're really trying to set a good example, they're going to see that. They're going to notice that. Because they know you're not perfect. They see you make mistakes. They hear you arguing in the kitchen even when you try to do it quietly. <laughs> right? They see. They know. They understand. They feel tension. But they know if you're trying your best. Right? But when they see us following Jesus, it opens the door for us to talk to them about following Jesus. So we have to, to follow Jesus sincerely. And then we have to make our family, we have to declare our family's priorities. I chose that word purposely. We have to declare family priorities. Because we're the ones, guys, as parents, as grandparents, we set the tone in our homes. And if you don't have kids yet, it's a perfect time to set those priorities. And if you're not married, it's an even better time because you can make them for yourself. And then when you start dating somebody, you tell them, these are my priorities. I know when Amy and I started dating, we actually sat down and said, this is, this is what we believe. And then when we got engaged, we actually sat down and we said, here's how we want our family to look. And we're a little weird. But we said, this is what we want. And we said, these are things that, that my family, I really liked. These are things I didn't. And she said, these are things in my family I really liked and I didn't. We put them together. And we said, because we get to start all over. And so if you're single, make your priorities. If you're married and you don't have kids yet, make them. If you have kids, it's never too late to set up your family's priorities. Set those things. Say, this is, this is what we believe. This is what we're going to do. And, and we've had to tell our kids before, that's not who we are. Your friends may do that, but that's not who we are as a family. We don't do that. This is what we do instead. And it's a whole lot easier to tell your kids what you're for than what you're against. This is why we do this. This is why we pe treat people this way. This is why we give in the offering every week. This is why, because this is a priority for us. This is why we take time to do this. This is why we don't watch those movies that other people might, because of our priorities, right? And kids can, I'll tell you, kids can spot a fake a mile away. They know, they see. And yeah, you may say, I'm not perfect. No, you're not, and they don't expect you to be. But here's the thing. We have to be willing to apologize when we make mistakes. One of the very best things you can do for your kids when you're raising your kids is apologize when you mess up. And it's hard. <laughs> it is so hard to tell your kids I was wrong. Especially as they get older. And, you know, my kids are getting smarter than me, you know. And so I tell them, yep, I didn't do that. I know Josiah's back there like, yes, I am already, you know, because... Teenagers know everything, right? But there are a lot of times I've had to say, yeah, actually, you're right. Oh, it makes me mad. But yeah, you're right. Good job. You did that. And so when we do mess up, because we're going to, guys, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to get it exactly right. But when we're willing to apologize and make amends, like Paul said, it goes a long way towards having a healthy family. And guys, none of us are perfect at this. None of us are experts at this. So I want to encourage you, use your church family 
Hey, Bonnie and Jean, you've raised kids. How did you do this? Hey, Miss Ella, you've raised kids. How did you do this? Hey, how did you guys, did you face this when you were, you know? And use those people around you that have done that. Because they can tell you they've been down that road. Some of them have raised a lot of kids around here. Use those, right? How did you handle this? What did you do? But more than anything, guys, pray for one another. And ask for prayer. Hey, I'm in, I'm in a difficulty. I need help. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. And if you're physically able this morning, would you stand? We're going to take a few moments to pray. And then after service, uh, there'll be a table out in the foyer with candy. Grab everybody. We have enough for everybody to grab one, even your kids. Uh, to grab a movie candy as you go out. Well, Lord, we're so thankful this morning that you instituted family. This was your idea, and we're so thankful. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help us, every one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, because this applies to all of us. Whether we're single and we're hoping someday to get married, or whether we're single and we're hoping to be an example to somebody else, a resource to someone else, or whether we're married and don't have kids yet, or we're married and we have kids, or we're married and we have grandkids, Lord, we're all in this together. And we all want to have healthy, godly families. And Lord, would you help us today? So what I pray this morning, you would speak to each and every one of us in this room today. Lord, you would help us, whether we're in that season of having kids, whether we're in that season where we're grandparents and we're giving input and influence, whether we're trying to make priorities for ourselves so that someday when we're married, we're ready for that. Lord, would you help us today?